invite you to turn with me in your Bibles to Deuteronomy chapter 28, verses 1 through 14. Uh, Deuteronomy 28 contains blessings and curses of the covenant. My original uh, plan was to try to cover this chapter in its entirety, uh, but then I read it out loud to myself and recorded how long it took, and it took nearly 15 minutes for me just to read the text. So I thought that might be biting off a little more than we can chew. So this morning, we're going to consider the blessings of the covenant, and Lord willing, next Sunday, consider uh, the curses, which will be a a longer portion. But um, before we read, I want to remind you something the Apostle Paul said in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 3. He he tells us there that we are transformed as we behold the glory of the Lord. And that takes place through the ministry of God's Word and the Holy Spirit. And as we come to this passage this morning, um, all of God's Word gives us Christ I think there's something uh, wonderful to be seen in this passage as we consider the glory of our Lord revealed in uh, this text. And so with that in mind, let's uh, hear the reading of God's word. Deuteronomy 28, verses 1 through 14. And if you faithfully obey the voice of the Lord your God, being careful to do all his commandments, That I command you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. And all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you if you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Blessed shall you be in the city, and blessed shall you be in the field. Blessed shall be the fruit of your womb and the fruit of your ground and the fruit of your cattle, the increase of your herds and the young of your flock. Blessed shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. Blessed shall you be when you come in and blessed shall you be when you go out. The Lord will cause your enemies who rise against you to be defeated before you. They shall come out against you one way And flee before you seven ways. The Lord will command the blessing on you in your barns and in all that you undertake. And he will bless you in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. The Lord will establish you as a people holy to himself as he has sworn to you. If you keep the commandments of the Lord your God... And walk in his ways. And all the peoples of the earth shall see that you are called by the name of the Lord. And they shall be afraid of you. And the Lord will make you abound in prosperity. In the fruit of your womb and in the fruit of your livestock. And in the fruit of your ground within the land that the Lord swore to your fathers to give you. The Lord will, get, will open to you his good treasury the heavens, to give the rain to your land in its season and to bless all the work of your hands and you shall lend to many nations but you shall not borrow. And the Lord will make you the head and not the tail 
and you shall only go up and not down, if you obey the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you today, being careful to do them. And if you do not turn aside from any of the words that I command you today to the right hand or to the left to go after other gods to serve them. Blessed uh, are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who mourn. We're familiar with the Beatitudes of the Lord Jesus proclaimed in the Sermon on the Mount, but they are not the first Beatitudes that we find in the Bible. Uh, These blessings are the first Beatitudes that we have listed in Holy Scripture. What does it mean to be blessed? And how are these blessings secured? For God's people. Deuteronomy 28 is here to give us the answer. We're going to consider these blessings today, but as we do so, we, we must keep in view all throughout what must take place for these blessings to overtake God's people. Israel, as a body of people, will need to be embodied in one faithful Israelite, one who will keep the whole commandment from beginning to end so that blessing can come upon all people. With that in mind, let's look at these blessings today in in three parts, which you'll find outlined in your, your bulletin. First, the condition of faithful obedience, second, the blessing for faithful obedience, and third, the result of Christ's faithful obedience. Now, the condition of obedience is emphasized straight out of the gate in this passage, isn't it? In verse 1. Notice the conditional language. If you faithfully obey the voice of the Lord. We've heard this again. And again, throughout our series in Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy is a book about matters of life and death, blessings and curses. And the matters of, of, of life and death, blessing and cursing, can be reduced to Israel's response to the word of God. You see that clearly on the blessing side here. If you faithfully obey the voice of the Lord, then all of the blessings will come. But you can also see it on The other side to the curse side in verse 15. But if you will not obey the voice of the Lord or be careful to do all his commandments, then all these curses shall come upon you. So again, matters of life and death come down to responding to the word of the Lord in obedience or disobedience. Now, this conditional language is repeated again and again in our passage. I wonder if you noticed it. It's in verse 1. It's in verse 2, if you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Verse 9, if you keep the commandments of the Lord your God and walk in his ways. And again in verse 14, if you do not turn aside from any of the words that I command you today. In other words, if you are, if you are careful to do all of the word of the law, then blessing will come upon you. That's what this passage is saying. So so obedience 
is the condition of blessing. And notice how the obedience is described here. It's not a faltering obedience. It's not a careless obedience. It is a faithful and careful obedience. So, so what's in view here is obedience to all of God's commandments. Unflinching obedience. This is what is required for the blessings of God's covenant to come to his people. Full and faithful obedience to the word of God. Okay, so the condition is obedience. But then secondly, what, what are the blessings? What are the blessings promised for this covenant obedience? They, they're spelled out in more detail in these 14 verses, but they're stated in a general way in verse 1. Look at what's promised in verse 1. The Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. This is a conditional promise echoing what we saw earlier in Deuteronomy chapter 26, verse 19, where Moses said, He, the Lord, will set you in praise and in fame and in honor high above all the nations that he has made. So God's promised blessing, in the most general way, means being set high above all nations, high above all peoples, as we said when we looked at Deuteronomy 26, to the praise of God's name. Now keep that in mind, because we'll circle back to that idea a little bit later. But verses 3 through 6 move from the general blessing to, to some of the details. So here are the Beatitudes are spelled out for us. And the Beatitudes relate to the basic, fundamental areas of life and, and promise, promise wholeness, fullness, fruitfulness for both people and creation. And so when, when this promise of exaltation above all peoples is fulfilled it will result in blessing to people and creation itself. So verses 3 through 6 highlight comprehensive blessing. Blessing that is wide in its scope. Blessed shall you be in this city. Blessed shall you be in the field. And then verse 6, blessed shall you be when you go out, when, or when you come in and when you go out. That's a, that's a Hebrew parallelism that is communicating comprehensiveness. In other words, blessing will follow you wherever you go. Same parallelism is found in Psalm 121, verse 8, which says, The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. So God's, God's <clears throat> covenant blessing is comprehensive. That's the idea here. Inside and out, coming or going. The blessings extend infinitely to every area of life, again, on condition of full and faithful obedience. I, I love the way Moses describes <clears throat> these blessings in verse 2. He says that the blessings will come and overtake you. 
This is actually the language of a predatory animal (laughs) capturing its prey. Beatitude will overtake you like a cheetah in hot pursuit. Beatitude will leap upon you like a leopard. The picture is of God's people being overtaken and caught by surprise, by all things good, by fullness of life. This is the kind of blessing God is promising, a blessing that overtakes and overwhelms. Blessing will overtake us like like a lion, right? In the twinkling of an eye. It'll happen. But again, keep, keep an eye on the condition because it's stated here again. This overwhelming blessing is conditioned by full and faithful obedience. Now, in verses 7 through 10, blessing shifts to, to Israel as a people. In verse 7, the focus is on, on military victory, victory over enemies. Notice the way that this victory is described. Your, your enemies will come after you one way, and they'll go out seven ways. Seven being symbolic of, of completeness, of, of fullness. So the victory promised is absolute, it's definitive, it's final. The enemies of God and God's people are utterly routed and conquered. In verse 8, fruitfulness of the land is is promised. And it uses language that echoes Proverbs chapter 3, verse 10, of, of barns being filled with plenty. You know, barns bursting with the fruit of the land and your vats overflowing with wine. In verse 9, the people of God are established. This is one of the promised covenant blessings. The people of God are established as a people who belong to the Lord. Remember, we've talked about the privilege of belonging in Deuteronomy. Now, that that language, establish, is key. What it's saying is that the people will be perfectly secure in their relationship to the Lord, in their relation of belonging to him, just as God swore that it would be. This too is based on the condition of obedience. Now verse 10 describes the result of this kind of faithful obedience. Uh, It results in the peoples of the earth seeing that you are called by the name of the Lord and they shall be afraid of you. The Hebrew here can actually be translated simply to say that Israel will be known by its name of the Lord. That's a, that's a perfect translation of what this is actually saying. Not merely that they will be called by his name, but that the people will be identified by the name of the Lord, by the name of Yahweh. Israel, in other words, will bear the name of the Lord. To speak the name Yahweh will be to speak the name of faithful Israel. Now verses 11 through 14 expand even more on promised prosperity. And it has, if you think it through, it has all of the marks 
of the complete reversal of the fall. Here we have the the curse being turned back. So fruitful is this land, it's as though the curse no longer has any power. Blessings flow. Far as the curse is found, the picture again is of abundance and fruitfulness. In verse 12, there's, a, there's, another, there's another powerful image. If you look at verse 12 with me, the Lord will open to you his good treasury, the heavens, to give the rain to your land in its season and to bless all the work of your hands and you shall lend to many nations, but you shall not borrow. Now the, the good treasury of God is the heavens. And from that good treasury, all of the blessings come down, flow to God's people. Right? When the heavens are opened up, now keep that image in mind, all of God's blessings coming down to us from above. And once again, verses 13 and 14 underscore that the, the blessings of the covenant are conditional. The Lord will pour out blessings from his good treasury if you keep the commandments and do not turn aside. So for a moment, I think we, I think we need to hit the pause button on this passage and just reflect for a moment on this emphasis on the condition of obedience. We really need to take it seriously. We can't, we can't minimize or, or overlook it. We need to appreciate the fact that conditions are basic to covenant relationship with God. And we also need to recognize that conditions are not something unique to God's relationship with Adam or God's relationship with Israel. There are conditions in the new covenant as well. If you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you will be saved. That's a condition. Or think of Hebrews 12, 24. Strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. That's a condition. But of course, there's a, there's a radical, there's a crucial difference between Adam's situation in the garden and Christ as he merits the blessings for his own and the conditions of the new covenant which are all fulfilled by Christ and fulfilled in us by the Spirit of Christ. But we do need to appreciate this today because I think this is something that's often neglected or minimized. We need to appreciate that conditions were not unique to Adam or unique to God's covenant with Israel. It is basic to covenant relationship with God. And the wonder of the gospel. Please please hear what I'm about to say very, very clearly. The wonder of the gospel is that what God demands, God gives. What God requires, he provides. The, The faith required to be saved is itself the gift of God. The holiness needed to see the Lord is something that God himself is working in us. But the fact of God's giving does not in any way erase the reality of the condition. So in the new covenant, we we are still confronted 
by the blessings and curses of a covenant. And the determining factor is our response, our stance toward the word of God. So covenant, the new covenant isn't new in the sense that it's without conditions. It's new because the conditions are fulfilled for us by Christ and then fulfilled in us by Christ and the ministry of his spirit. So coming back, coming back again to Deuteronomy, note, note again how the blessings of the covenant are summarized back in, back in verse 1. If you faithfully obey the voice of the Lord your God, being careful to do all his commandments that I command you today, the Lord will set you high above all the nations of the earth. You've you got to stop and you, you've got to ask, what, what's happening here? What is being described here? Where is this taking us in the world of Scripture? Think carefully about the promised blessing. The Lord, your God, will set you high above all the nations of the earth. What is that? That's exaltation language, isn't it? It's the language of exaltation. So the general blessing stated here at the beginning is the blessing of exaltation, being high and lifted up. If you are obedient to all the words of the law, the Lord will set you high above all peoples, is the promise. But then notice what the, the exaltation entails. The blessings extend to the people and the ground, reflecting a redeemed creation where the, the false curse is, is being undone, is taken away. And notice the military consequences of the exaltation. It is exaltation over God's and Israel's enemies. The enemies of God's people will be fully defeated. And then remember that this exaltation only comes as the result of full and faithful obedience and it, and it carries with it the blessing of sharing or being identified with the name of the Lord. The name. The exaltation of obedient Israel involves uh, exaltation, blessing to the people and the land, overwhelming, comprehensive blessing, victory over enemies, and a sharing in the divine name. And then notice the symbol for entrance into this state of exalted identity with the Lord in verse 12, where all of these blessings are released. Verse 12, the clouds where the treasury of God is found, right? Where the blessings of God's own abundance shower down on the people, right? The clouds are the symbol for entrance into the treasury or the storehouses of God, where the blessings of the covenant are sourced, where they come from. They are located where God is in the heavenly places. You see where this is taking us? You see where it's leading us? Do you see who it's revealing, whose face we are seeing in this passage? The Apostle Paul helps us in Philippians chapter 2. In light of Deuteronomy 28, listen closely to Paul's words. And being found in human form, speaking of Jesus, he humbled himself 
by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. In other words, bearing the covenant curse, which we will look at next week. Therefore, what has God done? God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess, listen to this, that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. See what, see what Paul is saying? What he's spelling out for us here? Because of Christ's faithful obedience, even to the point of death on a cross, Jesus has been given the name above every name. He is exalted above all nations. He's set high in praise, even over his enemies. He's been given a name so that every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Yahweh. He is the Lord. So you see, Jesus is in his his flesh, the full embodiment of Israel. He is the singular, faithful, obedient Israelite of Deuteronomy 28. He's the one Israelite who sums up the story of his people who died and was raised and ascended where? Through the clouds into the heavens where he is now seated at the right hand of God, where he represents all of his own people in his own person. He's ascended into the heavens where he now opens up God's good treasury to rain blessing down upon us. So you see, Deuteronomy 28 is a vivid description of the glory of Christ and the blessings he secured and brings to his people by his full and faithful, obedient life. An obedience that led all the way to death, suffering the curse, which again we'll come to next time in order to shower us with blessing. So you see, in Christ Jesus, the treasury of God is open wide to you. The storehouses of God's blessing are poured out upon you. It's open to you through the exaltation of Jesus, who has come to share in the divine name in a way that goes beyond his sharing in that divine name as the eternal son of God. Because now it is the son in our flesh, in our flesh, bone of our bones and flesh of our flesh, representing us who is identifiable with that name. It is the second Adam, the faithful Israelite, the the obedient son. And after his death and resurrection, Jesus ascended to his heavenly throne through the clouds into the very treasury store of God himself. And so from the infinite stock of divine storehouses, Jesus is now giving good gifts to his church. And just for a moment as we wrap up, I want us to consider the result of Christ's covenant obedience now and what is to come. 
Christ, right now, from the heavenly places, is blessing his people with gifts. Listen to Paul in Ephesians 4 describe it this way. He says, But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, When he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. And saying, He ascended, what does it mean but that he also descended into the lower regions, the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. After his death and resurrection, Jesus ascended to his own heavenly throne through the clouds into the very treasury store of God himself. And from that treasury, the ascended Lord gives good gifts. From the infinite stock of his storehouses, he gives gifts to the church. And and what is Jesus doing as he distributes these gifts? What is he after? What is the end of these gifts According to the Apostle Paul. According to the Apostle Paul, it is so that we might grow into full maturity into our head, Christ Jesus. Paul says, Christ gives these gifts until we attain the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and reach maturity to the stature and fullness of Christ. What is he saying? Paul is saying Christ is in the heavenly places now. And he's giving, and he's giving, and he's giving from the heavenly treasury so that he might be formed in us. So that we might be conformed to him. So that we might grow and mature. Among his gifts, you see, among his gifts are the very things God requires. Again, God gives what he demands. And it takes the form of the Jesus of Deuteronomy 28, a faithful and obedient son, obedient to the point of death, suffering the covenant curse, ascending through the clouds to the heavenly treasury, the very storehouses of God's blessing, and out of that abundance, he extends his blessing to us. He gives and he gives and he gives so that we are overwhelmed and overtaken by blessing. See, in the new covenant, we are are overwhelmed by divine goodness. We are swimming in divine mercy and divine generosity. This is the kind of Savior Jesus is for you, beloved. This This is what he has done in your stead to secure eternal blessing for you. He was obedient to death. He ascended into the clouds in exaltation. He came into possession of the infinite blessing of the place of God's dwelling. And he shares it all with you and me. And again, a day is coming in the twinkling of an eye 
when we will see him and be as he is and the old will pass away and the new will come and we will experience forever the comprehensive blessing of God's covenant with his people all because of his obedient life and his suffering death on our behalf. Hallelujah. Praise God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the Lord of glory, for his, his full and faithful obedience on our behalf because we break the commandments every day. We break them so often. We thank you that he is the risen and ascended Lord who gives good gifts to his people until we reach full maturity in Christ. And we thank you that, that Christ loves us so much that he is not only one for us eternal redemption, but that he, he continues to ensure the full blessing from his heavenly throne so that we can persevere to the very end. And we look forward with great hope to enjoying the blessings of your covenant, the greatest blessing of all being the reality that we will be secure in our relationship with you, having you as our God and our eternal reward. And we thank you and pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen.